Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. We hope that some of you are on the road yourselves and some of you may be at home listening. We are here again and Happy New Year to you. It's a brand new 2012. And I'm afraid it's you, Linda, that's been on the road this time. I've been staying home, taking care of all the domestic duties while you gallivant around. (laughs) Actually, the duties were pretty heavy this time. We had a big open house for Wellesley College at our house on Saturday, and I had to be in California with a daughter, and so Richard just handled it. He was the host with the most. By the way, you know, a lot of people say to us, and maybe some of you get this out there, um, why in the world did you send so many of your kids to Boston to go to college instead of just sending them down the road to BYU? Well, we we send them... We have a hard time answering that. We sent a few to BYU, too, you have to admit it. Well, that's right. But I think it's interesting that uh, if you live right in Provo or Salt Lake, sometimes there's a draw to go away for college, and a lot of our kids have done that. And that's kind of a preview, by the way, of some of the things we're going to talk about today, namely um, the whole question of distance and logistics with families that have that have grown up and moved away or kids that are beginning to grow up and move away. How hard, I'll put this to you, Linda, but I'll ask it rhetorically to all those empty nesters or people who are maybe having kids leave home. The question is, how hard should we try to keep our kids living close to us, like right in the same town or close to us so we can have Sunday dinner with them, have family home evenings with them, get to know the grandkids, tend the grandkids. How, how, how important is it, do you think, Linda, to do everything in our power, including maybe urging them to take a, a less prestigious job or make a little less money or whatever they have to do to keep living close to the parents? Wow, that is really a loaded question because we know a lot of parents who think you should do anything to get them close to home. And um, we have a little different opinion, but, you know, the reason that it's easier for us to have our kids far away, and we have we do have nine children, and they're all outside of Utah. It's three on the East Coast, two on the West Coast, two in Phoenix, one in Hawaii. And... Um, the, the one lonesome one in Utah, in Ogden. And so one, one in out Utah. of nine. Some people would say, Linda, that is just a terrible batting average. You have failed as parents. Eight of your nine kids don't live by you anymore. That's exactly right. And a lot of my friends would, too. I mean, we have friends whose family all lives on the same cul-de-sac, and they love it. And, and actually, we would love it. But We have one family of friends that actually named their street after themselves because oh the only people that live on it are their them and their kids. That's right. And that's okay. I mean that's great. They all get along and well as far as we know. And um Well I'm challenging on that one. I think that's ideal. Why not have them all live on the same street and have Sunday dinner every week and go walk down to their house when you want to borrow a cup of sugar. Well, that sounds pretty cool, but we've done it a little different way. And uh, actually, I think the bottom line, Richard, and I know that you want to raise a little controversy here, but I think the bottom line is doing what the kids really need to do to establish their own families and their own identity. Some, Some of them can do it living next door. Some of them need to be away from their families for a while. We Actually, we got married 
And two days later, we, we ha- I had an old Ford Fairlane, wasn't it? A well, big old it was monster the biggest car. car ever made. I know that. Monster. And we loaded all of our belongings in the back seat of that car in the trunk. And then we had a little Porsche that Richard adored. I'm not sure if he loved me or no, it. Don't more. get the wrong idea. This was a beat-up little old car. Yeah, it was not you know, a mint like condition a... Porsche. This was, <laughs> you know, barely eke out enough to get this little Porsche uh, tied on the back of our Fairlane. And we drove all the way across the country to Boston. That was our honeymoon, was that drive across. That was our honeymoon. And we thought for us, and again, I emphasize, We're back for the second half of the show today, Ayers on the Road. Um, I don't know if you listeners always hear the same ads during the break as we do, but often you'll have one which is about, has the tagline, family, isn't it about time? And that is, that is a big question, and a lot of parents understand, have come to understand that it really is about time and that how much time we spend with our kids at any age from preschoolers on up is a huge factor in terms of how how much trust there is, how, how good our communication is, and so on. And it kind of ties in, Linda, to what we're talking about today. It, the further your kids live from you, I would think, the less time you're going to be able to spend with them. The further they are away when they go to school or to college, the less time you'll have to be with them. We work with some parents professionally who uh, are still into boarding schools. This is much more prevalent in other countries than it is here, but a lot of them think the thing to do is to send that child away to a boarding school at age 12 or even at age 8. So if you think of the extreme case of kids getting away and moving out of the home early, then it becomes obvious that there's going to be a lot less parent-child time. And I think that earlier and earlier thing is is an easy thing to criticize, don't you, Linda? But when it comes to college, then it's a real serious question, distance. How far away should they be? And then when they're married, they start their career. Again, distance. What's the ideal? Is there an ideal? And we're basically saying no, there is no ideal. Um, yeah, again, you have to work with what your kids need and what they want and so on. And just going back for a second to, um, well, the time that you mentioned, but also um, the fact that each child is different. Um, this youngest child is just very needy. She's very qualified and confident and all that, but she's also needy. And a lot of our kids have done moves and you know, from one place to the other and, and have never even thought about me coming, but this one really needed me there. And so, actually, I had a ball. We went all over San Francisco. It was a beautiful day. But then we moved into this apartment, and, of course, there were some there were some roommate issues which we had to resolve, and, and it was just so fun to watch it unfold for me as a parent to watch that unfold. And, wow, what an apartment. There was There's a Navajo girl, I think a little bit of Hopi and mostly Navajo, and then there was a darling black girl, and there was a darling girl from Korea, and and then three Caucasians. And it was so fun to kind of get to know them, know what they were doing with their lives, and kind of be in her life for a little while. 
and really see where she's going. I went to the office where she worked. I saw all the stuff. Um, you know, it is really good to, even though the kids are away from home, to really know where they are and what they're doing. And and I think we have done that with all of our kids, but this child particularly just needed me that weekend. So, you know, kids never quit needing you as far as to be a parent. Obviously, you become more friends than anything else as they get older, but, um, or, and maybe not, maybe not sometimes. There are always some issues that come up and well, so on. But. Yeah, I think it, it is so interesting. To, you make such a good point, Linda, that every child is different. And, and one of the things that, you know, someone asked me not long ago, if you, were to, if you could only give one point to parents in general, one thing that irrespective of the situation is always going to be some advice that parents need, what would it be? And the thing that came to me is just basically what you just said, understand that every child is unique and has unique needs, a unique way of communicating, a unique way of learning. And once you get that in your head as a parent and keep it in your head throughout that child's life, your chances of being a good parent go way, way, way up because the tendency we have is to say, well, this is how I did it with her sister, so I should be able to do it this way with her. And, you know, our our family, frankly, is a case study in nine completely different personalities. And you hit it right on the head, Linda, this particular daughter. Uh, it's not that she's insecure. It's just that something about her needs constant reapproval and reinforcement. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, in some ways, that's the easiest thing we can give our children. We have other kids that could care less. They don't need any help from us. I mean, or any 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 sort of uh, kind kind of uh, words or, or approval or whatever. They maybe they do, but they don't they don't need it near as much as some others. So, it's all about the individual child. It really is. And boy, as you mentioned earlier, um, after the break. Um, it, in our travels, our international travels, we ran into so many parents, especially in Asian countries who are sending their children to the United States when they are children, their children, sending their children. This In um, Thailand, this dad came to me and said, you know, I have a son who's, who's calling me from boarding school every day, and it's, it's a wonderful school. It's in the United States. He lived in Korea, and I mean in Thailand, and he said, um, do you, what do you think I should do? He's just calling and crying and saying, I, I want to be home. I really need to be home. And he said he's there with his brother. I mean, what else could he possibly want? And I said, well, how old is he? And he, he said, eight years old. And my heart oh, yeah. just, just, oh, my gosh, how could you give up an eight-year-old to somebody else's care? Oh, and I, of course, it was a, he was getting a great education, but to me, that's almost like sending a child to an orphanage because you don't have the control that you need. You don't have the day-to-day, the quality time, as you said earlier, Richard. Well, and let's let's think about this. I mean, the the theme is it's evolving as we talk here today, Linda, and a lot of times this does just evolve as we as we talk on Ayers on the Road, but it really is about distance. And the thing that I keep thinking is, you know, it's it's honestly I really believe it's less of a question than it was even 10 years ago. And the reason I say let, let's take a case study. Let's say there's a, a young man, a young woman wants to go away to college and let's say the mom is like, "Oh, please don't go away. Stay close. Live you can there's perfectly good colleges right here. Why leave? Why go out of state or whatever?" And and and, and of course 
you know, there are a lot of issues, and we're not trying to oversimplify it, but speaking from experience, you can sometimes be extremely close. You can be as close as you need to emotionally to a child, even when they're 3,000 miles away. And thank goodness for technology. I mean, when you can Skype, when you can do FaceTime on your iPhone, when you can... uh, in, in fact, almost you have to be careful not to do it too much. I mean, we know parents, bless their hearts, who call their kids four or five times a day. And I don't—I th- I just think that's, that's almost like saying, hey, you're not independent. You need me. I've got to talk to you all the time. On the other hand, there are some kids who need the support of their parents, and they want to see their face. And they can Skype them, or they can do whatever they need to do. And I, I guess I'm making the point that... Uh, Distance should not be the controlling element or factor in most decisions. In other words, if, if, if let's say a, a young family gets a great job offer, they know it's the right thing to do career-wise, they, they feel good about it for their own little family, but they're hesitating because their, their parents, their, the parents of, on both sides say, oh, no, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay close to us. I think that to make a decision when everything else points to moving, but the only factor that wants you to stay is, well, my parents really feel like they want me to stay. Now, I'm not, there are some cases where parents need the children to stay because of their own health issues or whatever, and that's yeah, a whole different right. thing. But I'm just saying when it's just a deal of, oh, I, you know, I'm kind of a homebody and my parents want me to stay, so I should turn down all these other things that feel right to me. I really think that's a mistake in most cases because distance is not that big a deal, not as big a deal as it used to be. Absolutely, and I, I, we have to be honest because we do have an opinion on this. I mean, we always said to our children, you can go to any college you want, but you cannot stay in your own room. <laughs> and maybe that's <laughs> offensive to some people who have their kids living with them forever. But um, it really is, I think kids learn half of what they learn in the college experience in outside of the classroom. If they have roommates, if they have to be independent and so on. Um, there, I heard the cutest story from a friend in our neighborhood who has, now has four little children, but she said that um, her dad, uh, her parents had sent her away. They live in California, and she came to uh, the University of Utah. And she was in a sorority, and she had done a lot of stuff in the summer that she loved. She went to Lake Powell. She had to pay for the gas, you know, all this stuff. And she'd done lots of things with friends. She suddenly realized she's out of money. And she said, she called her mom and said, Mom, do you think Dad would just give me a little, you know, advance on this? I'll pay him back, I, you know, but I really don't have enough money to get through the end of the month. And uh, her mom said, well, yeah, probably. And then her dad called back and said, you know what? I gave you that money. I told you that was all there is. That is all there is. Deal with it. And she said, Tough love. that is the best lesson I ever le- ever learned. She said, I went through all the cabinets trying to find canned goods or something that I could eat and praying for dates so that these guys, you know, somebody would ask me out to dinner or something so I could survive to the end of the month. And I, and I think sometimes we, we do pamper our kids and, oh, you poor thing, oh, of course, you know, and we oh, fill in. And it really is so important to let them be independent. I thought you were saying she was praying for dates, like dates and figs or, you know, oh, yeah. anything to eat. <laughs> Probably that would work, too. <laughs> you know, um, but we should hit on, uh, before the time runs out here, Linda, we should hit on a huge issue that's very closely related to what we're talking about, and that is 
what about the kid who moves out and then wants to move back in? And that happens so often. I mean, you would not believe how often we run into that. And parents have the dilemma of this this child who they thought was independent, who'd moved on either to go to school or for a job or whatever, and now is saying, hey, you know, I really want to move back in. It was much easier there, and I think it was more efficient. And, uh, you know, I, I want my room back. What do you do? And, you know, sometimes there's a really good reason for that. I mean, sometimes it's just that they, you know, are tired of fending for themselves. But usually in today's economy, it is because they're without a job. And it's not always just single kids. It's often families that are coming back. I mean, you have a brother who has a family living in his house with five children. And I'm sure that that is rampant everywhere. And so often when we talk about entitlement, parents come up afterwards and say, wait a minute. I need to know not just the little kids. I need to know what to do with these older children and how much to give them. How you know what? What do you do with kids that move back into your house? And and again, you know, one of the things that's so interesting about talking in this area of parenting is that there are very very few, excuse me, situations where there's one right answer. And 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 generally speaking, I think. It's probably not a good, this is very, very general. This is a very general statement. It's probably often a step backward when, when a person, a child thinks they were independent, they've moved out, and then moved back in. But having said that, there are very many situations uh, that are exceptions to that where there really is a lack of employment or there's uh, a, a difficult situation that requires, uh, it just becomes more efficient maybe and more economical to to move back in. But the thing that we would suggest to you, whether you are a child, a grown child now thinking about moving back in or whether you're a parent thinking about whether it's a good idea, the, the one guideline we would give is if you do it, have some written agreements. Yeah, and, absolutely. And have it include paying rent, have it include sharing in the cost of some of the household things, have it and include a the term limit, things, yeah. how long is it going to be, and really think it through together so that there's not this one expectation from the parents and a completely different one from the child. Because the worst situation we've seen is where they not only move back in, they kind of move back into their teenage selves and, and, you know, think mom's going to clean up after them, think dad's going to lend them the car and pay yeah. the bills. And and the mom, and handing the mom the list on her way to the grocery store and saying, here's our list. You right, know. right. Um, that is just not appropriate. And so I think uh, absolutely we've told parents over and over again, and some parents love to have their kids living home with them. They love it. But at the same time, there needs to be an agreement. We always say, write it down, let so everybody knows what to expect. And if it's too late and they're already there and there's some bad habits, you can sit down with them now. Well, the time flies with Ayers on the Road. We're sorry that the half hour is coming to an end, but we, as we always do, want to wish you all the best. We want to say that we'll look forward to uh, telling our experiences and maybe applying them to you next week. So once again, Happy New Year. Have a good one.